I met Andreas in the fall of 2013. He was completing a semester abroad for his PhD in astrophysics at the University of California in Santa Barbara. Together with Portuguese Pedro, Andreas was subletting a room in the house I was supposed to move into that fall. Some miscommunication led to us overlapping at the house for a couple of days. I'm not sure how this friendship was formed or what it was based upon. We simply met and never stopped hanging out. We enjoyed each other's company, be it wild nights or uneventful evenings, doing ordinary things without much ceremony. I remember movies at the driving, eating in and out, and drinking beer. I remember him always cooking, always trying out new recipes he'd never tried before, and somehow always nailing it. He makes the best pasta I've ever tasted. I remember hosting a New Year's Eve party at the house. Andreas only had six months to spend in the U.S. and had made big plans to spend New Year's Eve in Las Vegas, but at the last minute decided to drive back that day so he could spend the night with us. I remember everyone happily receiving him when he showed up unannounced in a tuxedo. I remember driving in the California sun with him, listening to Beach House. At the risk of falling into stereotypes, I feel Andreas has a cold character. He belongs to the mountains. The love I have for him feels Nordic. People speak of memories that warm the heart, but the image that comes to mind when I think of our friendship is that of a morning swim inside a cold spring in the mountains. The current is gentle, it's the temperature that shakes you, and there's something so primordial and pure about that temperature. And when you're done, you quietly sit to dry on the sand, absorbing the sun, in awe at the luck of having stumbled upon such a place. This is Rich Chocolatey Goodness. Can you hear me? I don't know if you've if you've noticed, but most of the episodes start with this shit. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard a lot a lot of episodes actually. Where where uh, where are you putting it out? Are you actually putting it out somewhere? Uh, not yet. I was just kind of recording them. Okay, cool. It's, yeah, it's like a Schrodinger's podcast. Ah, right. Okay, so it's kind of a podcast, but perhaps it's not really a podcast it might not exist right yeah i kind of get that vibe <laughs> i mean that wasn't the original plan but uh, <laughs> that, this was happening seeing as you're uh, you're unsuccessful in actually recording them then perhaps they never happened no i know i mean these things are just you know i i work i work in it now and it's just a pain all these things it's always the simplest things where you feel like this should not be possible to like fuck up but uh, it seems like we're sort of talking to each other now, right? So, do you have an intro or something? Let's do the countdown. Ooh, there's a countdown. Okay. Here it goes. Rich chocolatey goodness. 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 All right, that should be enough. <laughs> now we've officially started. So, what's going on? What's going on with you? You've been is this an is this an interview? Am I supposed to speak most of the time? 
uh, I should know that, and uh, I think that has been the reason why some of the episodes may be boring. <laughs> 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 because I keep fighting, I keep fighting that impulse. Uh, if it's supposed <laughs> to be like a super interesting thing, I should just be interviewing you and let you go. No, I, 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 yeah, I don't know. But it's an excuse to get back in touch. So right, right. I think having a conversation can be fairly interesting. Like I'm not, I'm not doing very interesting things, and I have a tendency to, you know, end up on some sort of tangent somewhere, me and too. it might or might not be interesting. So if you can just reel me back in, if that happens, that no, I'd rather, I'd rather not. But uh, <laughs> that would be good. But yeah, no, it's you're not. You. You're not forced to do anything. I just want to hear what you're up to. Uh, okay, okay. Well, I don't know since since when. I mean, I I I feel like my focus my focus shifts. Like my focus is really near. I I am mostly focused on the thing that's really you know tomorrow or later this afternoon, tonight. But I don't know when, when was the last time I saw you. I guess it was in Paris, maybe two years ago. The wedding. The wedding, right? I saw you after the wedding, and then I, I didn't see you in Paris after. Yeah, yeah. Or did it's I? True. No, no. We saw each other before. Yeah, we went on a picnic in the park. You remember? Yeah. Well, that was yeah. That was before the the wedding. Oh, that was nice. Yeah. Like a, we said, we're just gonna have a quick picnic, and it turned into like a twelve hour <laughs> right, <laughs> 12 right, hour epic. expensive yeah. binge. Ah, that was beautiful. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so I, I haven't seen you since then. <laughs> right. So yeah, I mean, what's happened? I move. I moved to Jutland, I guess. To what? Jutland is sort of uh, the mainland of Denmark. We have a, a bunch of islands. The biggest one is Sjælland, which is where Copenhagen is, the capital of Denmark. And and yeah, and Jutland is sort of the. It's a kind of a peninsula sticking out from northern Germany. Um, and I moved there. And and in Denmark, that's a big thing. It's not. It's it's not more than three hundred kilometers, but it's it's like at least two bridges, so it's quite far. Um, yeah, I I met a girl. I don't know if we talked about that when I saw you, but uh, I met a girl at this in Denmark. We have this meeting every year. It's sort of a political meeting with lots of lobbying organizations, and it's called the folk the folk meeting or the I don't know how you translate that, but it's like it's for everyone. I don't know. It's it's. I think it's sort of a very Danish thing, you know. Everybody meets up and we have beers and and hot dogs with the prime minister, and it's like everybody's just walking up and down the street next to each other, and there's no real like we don't have a lot of security guards and police and stuff like that. We don't really need it yet. <laughs> Hopefully, it stays that way. So, but anyway, we went there because we we were active in the same political party. I guess we say we still are. The Green Party. It's called the Alternative. So you know, saving the planet and stuff like that. Um, yeah. And anyway, I I just broken up with my girlfriend at that time a few a few, a few months before that. Uh, We've been together for like ten years. Uh, yeah, you know her, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess we met in Santa Barbara, maybe. Yes, or... yes. When when she came to visit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so we broke up. I guess 10 years was a long time from start 20s to, I don't know, how old, 30-something, I guess. But anyway, yeah, so, and she was living in Jutland in this big uh, community, 60 people. It's one of the oldest 
I, I again I don't know I'm not sure what the correct translation is it's like a collective or community or you know lots of people living together eating together sharing a commune things a commune yeah it's probably the word so so she lives there she she's been here for well she had been living here for five years it's a really nice place it started are you yeah you probably heard of Christiania right in Copenhagen sort of this no. uh Okay, it's sort of this um, uh, like a free free city, free town within the city, kind of. Uh, it's it's probably best known for having you know people selling weed and joints just on the street, which is illegal in Denmark. But uh, it's it, it was sort of tolerated for a long time, and then the government sort of cracked down on it and sort of. But the way that it started was just actually just a bunch of hippies just squatters taking over an old military base in Copenhagen and they were part of the same group of people of course there was a lot of different groups of people and so it was in the 70s uh start 70s and it turns out that the, this group of people actually met up in Jutland uh and they started the plan was to like start a a national network of these communes of you know mostly uh hippie kind of uh free-spirited people and the first group that actually managed to settle down somewhere was where i'm living now in it's called Torstrup mark which basically Torstrup is just a name and mark just means field so and it, it it's pretty accurate it's just somewhere in the middle of a field <laughs> out in the countryside and so it's it's the oldest it's one of the, it's the oldest of sort of the big communes that started in denmark and Christiania is one of the other ones. And then there's one called Two. So yeah, and I'm so I moved here. I was sort of I mean, I've I've been in Copenhagen most of my life and I was all of my friends are there and all the things I, you know, all the cafe lattes and the parks and the barbecuing and the music and parties and I was sort of just all ingrained in that and I I I really liked it, but also I was feeling that I I always had this feeling that I I wanted, I mean, that I was not supposed to just end up there. I was gonna travel the world and see things and do things. And so when the topic came up, I guess I was really conflicted because she kind of didn't want to move to Copenhagen, and I kind of had no idea what moving to Jutland would be like, or even living in a commune. But in the end, I just decided, I mean, fuck it. I have to try it right otherwise I, yeah. I'll never know <laughs> so I yeah so I just moved and it's been nice. fantastic it's been really great I was sort of in the you know the period of my life where all my friends were getting kids and they didn't have time to go out and so I felt a little bit alone in the city actually I felt like I I, I needed to be very proactive to to go out i couldn't just call up random people anymore i had to actually <laughs> to actually make an effort and i'm not really good at making efforts i i just want to you know get an idea in my head and go and do it and yeah so um, that was the idea i got moved to jutland in a commune so we are 60 people about 50 50 kids and grown-ups um and it's just really fun like you're just living really close together with people of all different ages i think the youngest one we had was born here while i lived here so he's about six months now and i think the oldest he's 80 something and then there's just a whole range of different ages and just becoming friends with 
people that are in their 50s and you don't really think about it because, I mean, you're just brewing beer together or fixing a car together or cutting trees down. I mean, you just become friends with these people that you normally wouldn't really meet because when I go out living in a big city, I would go out to concerts and it would sort of be people of my same, you know, similar age group or I would meet friends of friends that had went to school together and, you know, for, for obvious reasons, you're sort of in the same age group, right? But now I just live with all these people that are older than me and younger than me. And I, I mean, you don't really think about age that much. I, and that's kind of an eye-opener for me. And I really enjoy that. Plus, people have all sorts of different backgrounds. Like I've, you know, I have a PhD, so I've obviously spent too many years of my life at university, <laughs> as have you, I guess. And, and and a lot of the people you know, and, and not that anything's wrong with that, but a lot of a lot of the friends I have are academics, right? They're sort of from the same, you know, same parts of society and have the same experiences and same views on things, which is which is nice. And I I mean I share those views, so I, I agree with them and I enjoy spending time with them. But sometimes always I I I really enjoy just spending time with people that are totally different places in the world. <laughs> And uh, and and I kind of get the opportunity to to do that here. I think it's it's kind of unique. So uh, yeah, so I've been really enjoying it. Um, that's, then, you know, that's fascinating, man. I it's a bombshell. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's yeah. so cool. When how long have you been there? Almost a year, eleven months now. Yeah, and I'm still learning, get learn getting to know new people and learning new things every day. It's really, yeah, it's really great. I mean, it's far away from the city and it's a bit, I had to adjust my expectations and my habits a lot in the beginning because normally when weekend comes around, like I work full time. So I really, when when it's finally Friday, I want to go out and do something. And uh, this just, I mean, the, the things that I used to do was going out to a bar or going to a concert or just calling up my friends Friday night and say, hey, what are you up to? And they would always be up to something and I would go and, you know, do whatever they were doing, usually get drunk somewhere. <laughs> so, but but now I'm in the middle of nowhere in Jutland and I like, if I have to go somewhere, I could go to the nearest city is like 30 minutes drive, which is, I guess, in many places of the world, that would be nothing like, right, living in the U.S., you drive for 30 minutes to get drunk. That's pretty normal, I guess. But but in Denmark, it's not normal at all. Like, we, we, we used to biking everywhere. And so for me, it was just really, I, I got kind of claustroph- claustrophobic, I guess, in the beginning. But until I realized that, well, I just have to change. I mean, it it's not really that I need to go to concerts and I need to go to bars. Like, I, I, I need people around me and I need a drink. <laughs> but there's different ways to do that. Like, I can just go, we have a, a room where we, you can play billiard or pool or I can go to the like we have a workshop I can go work on things or yeah like often we have parties or we have like we have a we have a music room I just go and play music or and and if I really want to go to the city I can do that too and I can just stay at I have some friends and family you know in in the near city so I can just go there and stay there so but yeah, but I really enjoy. I guess I'm. I've maybe I'm growing up a little bit, you know. Like <laughs> I guess, <laughs> like going out every weekend, getting drunk, 
going to concerts. It's, it, I think so, part of it was because I really enjoyed it, and part of it was just because I didn't really know what else to do. I guess uh, I just didn't feel like staying in. But but now staying in means hanging out with maybe ten other people, uh, and I can easily do that in the commune. And it's just yeah, it's different, but it's it's nice. Man, I was like, I was just having this talk today with Elise. Mm. Like this is so weird. Uh, so there's this book that I bought just uh, when I first arrived in Paris. I saw this book at a bookstore. I liked the drawings, and I was like, eh, I'll buy it. Mm -hmm. It's like a, two euros, uh, and it's a uh, it's like a guide to living on your own. Ah. It's pretty. It's from like seventy one. And it just has everything, like how to make clothes, how to grow tomatoes, what plants do you plant next to tomatoes. Uh, just, it's this tiny book and it's handwritten, <laughs> and it just has everything, like all all the way to how to give birth at home. <laughs> right, right. Uh, yeah. And so her parents have a, a house in the in the countryside, so I said we're gonna lend you the book, you know, because there's a lot of stuff there that you, you know that that can help you like build things and yeah, know how yeah. to do that stuff. Yeah. And the, the conversation got going, and it, it was, we're talking with Elise. Like, like that sounds like I wish that could be my life. That sounds magnificent. But there's that one side that feels like it really is like a, you have to go all in. Like it, it'd be so hard to come back. Right. You know, like it's scary. It's scary. It's, it's like scary. It, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Leaving the city means that if you go and do that. Sure, it could be beautiful, but there's all this other stuff that you're gonna miss out on. Right, and it's not like we go to the opera every weekend or shit like that. But it's just, just the fright. The frightening part is that that coming back is hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, it's it's definitely frightening. About getting an apartment again. Exactly. I I I just sold. I you know I rented out my apartment, my flat. I had a flat in Copenhagen in the beginning. Uh, I, I still do actually I guess and uh, I was really reluctant to sell it because it's really hard to get a good place in the city for a reasonable price but I was just like I'm just hanging on to something and I feel like I feel like it was actually holding me back a little bit you know keeping this one leg in the city yeah you know, trying to do that and then also living out here in the middle of nowhere and and I I, I think it was I feel like I was just afraid whereas now I've decided just to go ahead with it and I mean, I can always come back. There's people have been living here for five, ten years, and then they move back to the city, and it's been fine. I mean, yes, yeah, I, I, but it's definitely scary. It is. I mean, I and I'm still sometimes lying in bed at night thinking, what the hell am I doing, like in the middle of nowhere? <laughs> but I was sort of doing that. My girlfriend remind me reminded me actually once I told her about this that I was, you know, sometimes I would, I would get a bit frightened. Uh, about the darkness and the silence and all of that, and she said, "Well, you you weren't entirely happy in the city either," and she was completely right. Like I was, I wasn't entirely happy, and it was just, yeah, it's it's, of course, it's about being comfortable with the. I mean, the the the, I guess the challenges and the difficulties in the city were kind of known to me. So even if I didn't, if I wasn't completely content, I, I sort of had learned how to deal with it. And now the, the, the challenges and also the good things are, are different. So I have to adjust all the time to these new things and I have to be more proactive. And I, I really enjoy that actually. And 
and it's just just a lot of things that make a lot of sense living together a lot of people is you know we we buy all groceries together and we pay i guess the equivalent of 100 maybe like 130 150 dollars us dollars each month for all of all of the food that we eat and that includes a big room that we can go and we can just pick whatever from the shelves like canned tomatoes and pasta and rice and spices and vegetables and milk and eggs and all these things you just and then we have a few luck like we call them luxury goods which is meat and butter and these more expensive things that we only use for when we're cooking together which we do five days a week right so but for a hundred and something dollars you you can feed a person for a month when you when you're sort of sharing and you know i i don't know how how well that translates to other countries because denmark is i guess a particular expensive country to live in but normally i would spend at least three three times that amount just living by myself right so it's and it just and, and it's not like we're wasting a lot of food like it's just because when you buy you buy in bulk and it's a lot more efficient cooking you just you know take out a bit bigger pot and cut up a few more onions and then you're done you have food for 60 people it's it's really easy and it just makes a lot of sense i feel so now you get now you have things to clarify because right. in my head I thought you were over there milking cows and uh, mm. growing your own vegetables. Yeah, right. right but right. apparently you just live with sixty people and go to the supermarket together. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I guess a lot of people have that in, in the mind when I when you talk about it. But it's actually, um, yeah, I don't know how to explain it. You know, it's it's kind of more just normal contemporary people living together. And, and sharing, I mean, we, we have our own private spaces, right? So we have, we call them flats. They're not really, or apartments. They're more like houses or, you know, in a, or it's like one big house that are sort of split up with walls between. But we have our own kitchens and showers and toilets and stuff. And then we have a, a lot of, mo- most of the areas are like common areas. So we have a big kitchen and we have a big dining hall. And we have different, you know, room with instruments and we have a like a place where we have parties and there's a place for the kids to play and all of that and uh, a different kind of workshops and stuff. And we share that. We don't really work the land that much. It's It's very much up to like the individual people if they would like to have cows and milk them, then that's fine. But But it's not something that the commune is actually doing together if you know what i mean like it's it's more just a group of people out here going together say hey we have this field and we're not using it for anything how about we have some cows and we can get some milk and people will be yay that's a great idea um but it's not something that you i mean it's not it's something that we all agree that that would be nice to have but it's not something that we together decide that this is what we are all working to accomplish right now like and the same with growing vegetables there's we're not growing that much right now it's mostly well we are growing some things i guess but it's it's mostly up to the individuals if they feel like they want to grow some onions or carrots they do that and um, but we also buy things from the outside so it's yeah i don't i don't know i i didn't know a lot about these communities uh before i i moved here so i didn't i didn't really know what to expect and I had never imagined that I would live in a place like this when when uh, when I met uh, Tatiana, my girlfriend. So I just came to visit her, and it just 
I didn't have any expectations, so I guess I just kind of took it all in, no prodigies or <laughs> anything. And then, and it's so, so I guess I haven't really gone through, you know, a lot of people that move here have kind of looked around for a place like this for a long time and they have a lot of expectations and a lot of, uh, if they imagine how things are or how they would like things to be. And, and, uh, and and I haven't really gone through that process, so so I I don't so yeah it's kind of strange for me. And then it's also I guess why you imagine something differently initially when I say I I'm moved into a, a commune because I mean it can it can mean a lot of different things. So yeah, I guess I guess you just have to come and visit me, <laughs> see for yourself. Uh, yeah, you definitely uh, made me curious. So then the main the main point then is just about living together right it's not about a self-sustaining uh, self-sustainable community right it's not i mean we have our own we 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 kind of i like to use the word pragmatic but yeah then someone asked me what does it actually mean and i had a little bit of hard time explaining it but i i kind of have a feeling i mean i i kind of still want to use that word like we, we we're pretty pragmatic like we're not if something is, if it's more efficient and more, like if it's more cost efficient and time efficient to buy something from the outside, say electricity or water or something like that, then we consider doing it. And it's not something that we we have to produce ourselves. Like people are talking about it, you know, getting, right now we're buying electricity from outside. We have our own heating system. We have our own water system. But it's mostly, I mean, it's nice to have our own, but it's not something that we have to have. It's sort of a more question like, do do we do we have the, I mean, do we have enough money to pay for it, or is it a lot cheaper to get from the outside than we get it from the outside? And then, but there's some things that we like. We buy everything organic, so everything that we buy, vegetables and meat and everything, has to be organic. That's sort of a I'm not sure it's written down some anywhere, but it's you know kind of one of those rules. So, people. So we have this common idea about what we want, but it's not something. It's kind of like a because the place is so old. I guess there's there's some history and some momentum in you know in the place. It's kind it's kind of hard to explain. We we have a rule book which is, but that's mostly related to. You know, you have to pay your rent and you have to, uh, we all get different uh, chores that we have to do each week, right? And then the rules are about, you know, you have to do your chores and how you uh, distribute those and, and so on. But but a lot of a lot of the more things about things having to be organic and so on, it's something that we continuously discuss, right? Because it also evolves with the people living here. And just, I think over the past year, I guess, maybe 15 or 20 people have moved out and in while I was living here. It's almost, I guess it's a fifth or maybe even more, 20% or 30% of the people that have been changed, right? And and you can't just keep the same, the same place when people are moving in and out. Of course, there's some things, you keep your history and you keep your, the stories about the plays and and but it's all yeah, I mean it has to evolve as well so it's not like nothing is is fixed I guess and uh, but there's also a lot of things that we're discussing I mean it's yeah 
like for example we have a smoking room which is kind of controversial <laughs> these days because in a lot of places well in denmark like you can't smoke anywhere you can't smoke on a you know public transport any public buildings even like a lot of places yeah most i guess all public places you're not allowed to smoke right you can't smoke on public transport anywhere like not even if you're on a ferry say you can't even just go outside in the in the free air and smoke you're not allowed to smoke anywhere basically so so having a smoking room in a place like this is something that people are actually a little bit surprised about some people at least when they are when they come here so and that's something that we discuss as well because there's I think there's maybe 40, 30 or 40% of the people living here that actually smoke of the grown-ups. And uh, the smoking room is adjacent to the dining hall. And it's kind of a the only like real place we have with sofas and there's a TV or like it's a projector and there's some speakers. And so it's kind of a nice room to hang out in. But a lot of the non-smokers don't want to hang out because they don't like the smoke, I guess. So, but that's some of the, you know, that's one of the things that's that has always been there and has sort of been given. And and you know, in the beginning in the seventies, obviously you could smoke anywhere. So now this is like the the, the last room that the the smokers have they can actually smoke in. Um, and uh, yeah, and we're still discussing if this is something that we should uh, keep having or if we should do something else. Or can you smoke outside? Yeah, 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 for sure. And you can smoke in your own, your own, your own apartment, right? So, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, growing the land, it's not something that we have to do, but it's something that if you want to, you you can definitely do it for sure. We have, we don't have a ton of land, but we have some, and there's a lot that is actually unused right now. And we had horses at one time. We've had, we had pigs that we used for for meat and. But but we haven't made like a big production because it's actually it's, it's quite a big of it's it's quite a big time investment if you want to do that and uh, it means that you basically have to if not pay people at least people have to uh, you have to be able to sustain yourself doing it and then kind of puts a lot of responsibility on the people working the land right and then and, and yeah it's not something that we've decided to do currently but but it could happen I mean if somebody wanted to do it they. I'm sure that we, they could just go ahead. Um, I feel very bad about this, but I really have to pee. Yeah, man, go ahead. So, oh, I forgot to ask: Are you are you drinking something? Yes, that's why I have to pee. All right, I'm back. I'm so sorry. Welcome back. Yeah, no worries. I uh, so I I had some beer left over from Friday and. Uh, Mm-hmm. But there wasn't that much left, so I also took some Armagnac. Armagnac, which is French? I guess it sounds like it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> perfect. You are still in Paris, right? Yes. Well, okay. So <laughs> I had this this idea, and it keeps changing. First, I thought you were over there milking cows, and now it seems <laughs> like you just moved into a apartment complex in the <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> I mean, it's it's still, yeah. We li- we live next to the oldest couple that actually were, they were part of the first people that moved here, and uh, they're still very much hippies, you know, running around, no clothes on in the summertime, and it's really great. I mean, there's just uh, all of those things that society imposes on you. It's like you're just free to do. I I don't know. It, I. 
I feel like it's hard to explain. I feel like uh, you should ask me some physics questions soon because all this uh, <laughs> life stuff, I'm not really great at explaining it. But uh, but I really enjoy it here. Do you walk around naked? Ah, uh, mostly in my own apartment. Yeah, but but I I try to. Yeah, maybe maybe I should start doing. Not a lot of people are doing it. Uh, I would I would say. And there's actually a rule against uh, like you have to wear clothes when you're in the dining hall eating and so on. So yeah, makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess yeah. I mean, it's sort of a some people get uncomfortable. So yeah. What does that mean? You said I try to. Like, are you actively trying to be more naked? No, I guess I. No, I I just try, you know, try to be comfortable when I am naked. I guess. What what what's the word for being uncomfortable when you're naked? Shy, I guess. Like with other people seeing you, or like yeah, being afraid of getting caught in wire. <laughs> oh no! I mean, is is that the same thing? No. I don't no, know. not at all. No, just you know, being you know, going to the, yeah. I just, I, I mean, I don't see a reason why I should put my clothes on when I'm just walking around my home. Even if if people look in the windows, it's it's their fault, right? If they don't want to see some someone naked, then yeah, I, I don't know. I haven't thought a lot about this, but <laughs> <laughs> I try not to put clothes on just for the clothes' sake. Like I do it if I'm cold or. Just because it's usually more comfortable having your clothes on when you're sitting in your chair, right? Yeah. <laughs> it gets sticky. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, we have a sauna as well where for sure I don't wear clothes when I go there. Right. That'd be, <laughs> that'd be weird. <laughs> I know, right? But you can wear like swim pants or shorts or stuff like that. Yeah. I, yeah. I feel a little bit uncomfortable. Like I haven't been. Sometimes the the kids announce, you know, after dinner there's sauna, and because some of the kids like going to the sauna, and I'm a little bit uncomfortable with that. I would say, like I haven't, I haven't done it yet. I know that you know it's it's for everyone, and everyone can go, and it's fine, and so on. But I feel like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> maybe I'll just do yeah. it without the kids, or I I don't know. I'm maybe because I don't have kids myself, but. <laughs> I don't know. I just feel it's a little bit weird being naked, you know, yeah. with other people's kids. I, but it's probably just my weird real society uh, bias coming in. True. Like, like it's not inherently bad, but right, you can't right. help. You can't get that programming out of your head. Yeah, yeah it's very, it, I mean, it's, I guess one of the, used to be at least one of the most natural things being naked, but now there's just... You know, you used to you have to navigate all these rules and expectations and things like that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's probably just I think it's mostly in my my head actually. So um, the last I heard, you had you finished your PhD mm -hmm. in uh, astrophysics. Was that it? That's right. Yeah, that's what I like to call it. Well, <laughs> what what do other people call it? Um, you can call it. Physics. I think the official name is just physics. Uh, you could call it astronomy, which is like you know looking at the skies, interpreting data. But actually, his, his historically, the physicists were the astronomer. Like before, you had computers and fancy 
instruments. Actually being an astronomer, actually observing the sky, taking down observations was a full-time job, right? So there's a, there was a difference between being an observer, uh, uh, being an astronomer, looking at sky, observing the sky, and then being a, a physicist that would actually interpret the observations. It's not like some people did both, obviously, but a lot of people did separate things. But now, because of the automation of the observations and so on, actually, most most of the people that do astronomy, aside from the technicians, some of the people work with the technical things. And I guess you could call those astronomers now, but um, but they're actually physicists as well. So that's why I like to call it astrophysics, because it sounds cooler, I guess. Because you were doing models, I don't remember. You must have explained that. <laughs> Computer models, right? Um, yeah. Simulations. Uh, a lot. A lot of people do. A lot of people do computer models and, and simulations. I would say I w- I was doing. It was more of a statistical analysis of observations of astronomical astronomical observations so so we had some data that was sort of uh correlated in a certain way uh in time and also in space and in order to sort of try to disentangle the different uh objects or events that produce this data then i would invent a i i I worked on trying to explore new statistical methods for interpreting the data um so, so when you observe the sky, a lot of what you see is, you know, what you see is mostly the light. And, uh, and the light is, for the objects that I was looking at, and for most objects, they're coming from a really small space compared to the size of the universe, right? So when you, when you look out there, you just see a small dot. And a lot of different information comes out of that small dot. And it sort of, it changes with time. And it changes with uh, which which color you're observing in. Say the the blue color of the light that's coming may change differently compared to the red light. Um, you, you know, you can like when you have a prism and you shine light through it, it splits the light up in different colors, right? You've probably seen the cover of what's the name of the album? Pink Floyd, something something. Shame on you. Dark side of the moon. Right, exactly. <laughs> You're not a real hippie, are you? Um, that's the one. That's the one. No, I love Pink Floyd though, and I love that album. But I'm I'm really bad with remembering things with words. Are you the expert, right? Um, yeah. So studying the variations of the light over time and different colors. That's mainly what astrophysicists do these days and and i was working on a statistical model to try and disentangle these signals it, it's very technical and it's also very hard to explain and uh, the advances are very slow so it's also part of the reason that i decided not to continue in academia after my phd right so <laughs> that was my next question so you went ahead and did a, a phd in uh, astrophysics and then as soon as you finish you went to the tech sector that's what i remember yeah 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 so i uh, so one of my co phd students he uh, he actually had started a company with his cousin and uh, story goes that they have had decided when they were kids that they wanted to start a company someday and it didn't really matter 
what it was about. Uh, they just wanted to do something by themselves. So they kind of had this idea to, you know, people have these smartphones everywhere these days. And then the smartphones actually contain quite sensitive sensors that can measure acceleration and orienta orientation in space and stuff like that. So they they said, okay, we're his cousin is an engineer and they he's also an astrophysicist, my friend. And um, they said, hey, we have all these fancy statistical tools to analyze a series of data. And uh, these phones produce a lot of this data. Maybe we can do something with it. And they ended up using, uh, the case was uh, cycling or riding on a on, on your bike. Uh, if you put your phone on the bike, sort of with a, you know, like a, you can have a phone mount. They sell these in electronics shop and you can put your phone on the bike. I guess usually it's for, I guess, navigation or whatever stuff like that. I guess you can watch a movie while you're something <laughs> i don't know <laughs> but it turns out if you're you can actually start collecting data from these sensors you can just sort of turn them on if you if you program an, an app for these smartphones you can turn on the sensors and you can move that data really fast because the mobile networks are quite fast now so you can actually move the data to a computer somewhere that you control and you can analyze the data and you can send information back to the phone and present it to whoever's riding the bike and it turned out that they actually found a, a case where this was useful which is for people for athletes and for other people that like uh biking as a, as a form of exercise because often these people they want to get some data they want to know how well they're doing how fast they're going or if they're doing it right or wrong or stuff like that so um so yeah so that that was the idea and i i got involved in that he basically came to me a few months before I was supposed to finish my PhD and asked if I wanted to join, and I, I just said yes because I felt like it was I'm I'm really I'm really lazy by nature, so for me it was a very uh, easy thing to say yes to, and it sounded interesting. And like I've always been fascinated with computers, and I'm pretty good at programming because I I enjoy making machines do work for me i guess also because i'm lazy <laughs> so it all sort of came together in that way <laughs> so i've been working there for three years now and um yeah it's it's going pretty well so we, we have a we have a product so i you know there's a lot of jargon in these tech startup sales blah blah circles i don't want to get into that but but it's something i've been practicing because in the beginning i was like well i can kind of explain the technicalities of it but i wouldn't i didn't want to get into you know the marketing or the product side of things because i just feel like ugh, it was i didn't feel like i wanted i didn't want to sell something i want to i wanted to create something technical like a technical solution create something that could work that could run somewhere and do something, crunch some data. But I wasn't interested in actually going out trying to convince people. You know, I because I've been in academia for so long, I guess I'm my way of convincing people is putting error bars on things and being very precise about what the error bar means. And for me, that's for 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 us in physics, that's like that's the 
the best thing you can do. You shouldn't try to oversell your method or your model or your data. You should just sort of present it in the most unbiased way as you can. <laughs> and, and now actually working in a company, you have to do the, the exact opposite, right? You have to focus on all the positive, focus on all the... And, and in the beginning, I was like, this, this is completely wrong. Like, you should just present things as they are. But I, I, I guess what I didn't realize was that working on these things, I, w- I was inherently biased. Like, I, I felt like putting a phone on a bike and getting a number while you're in your fitness center or whatever. It's just like this most meaningless, idiotic thing. <laughs> So that that was my bias, right? And I have actually applied that bias <laughs> to my academic knowledge of error bars. And I ended up in a in a situation where I couldn't, I didn't really want to tell people what I was doing because I was kind of embarrassed <laughs> because it was. <laughs> so yeah, it's 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 a little bit ironic when you think about it like that. But um, I I'm happy to say now that people actually they actually really enjoy what we are creating. So we, we creative sort of, we, okay, now just one fancy word, we call it connected fitness. It's not something that I've come up with. And it sounds, it sounds like it's kind of a buzzwordy thing, but, but it's also kind of true. Like a, a lot of the old technologies that were used for these uh, training environments in, in training send like for, when people were training in fitness centers and wherever, they're just really old, like really old blocks of hardware. It's like, you know, the old videotapes kind of hardware, like big chunky boxes of stuff that just breaks down all the time and looks horrible. And what we created, we just used people fo- people's phones and then we put all everything on the server, you know, like everybody creates software these days. And um, yeah, so it's just sort of the, the natural thing to do now but no, nobody had really done it before and now now we've done it and we can easily connect all the phones because they're on the internet and we can do competitions instantly between people if that's what they want or we can send messages between their phones while they're training together or separately and i think it's fair to ask why do why why would people want that and i i don't think i have the answer but it turns out people do want it <laughs> actually they actually, people are independently discovering our app now and actually calling us and saying, hey, this is great. How can we do this? How can we do that? And we actually, so yeah. So so we're getting happy customers without actually doing a lot of, I, I don't feel like we're overselling the product. I mean, we have, we have some salespeople, you know, uh, yeah. You know, I'm really reluctant to admit that I'm in a company that's actually put in, into the world to make money because that's sort of, something that i guess in my youth i had never imagined that i would work in a place like this i I imagined i would always be either in academia or just doing my own thing out in nature somewhere catching fish and living off of the land but uh yeah turns out i'm in a company that's i guess people are interested in making money and uh but i mean if people enjoy it and uh I feel like we have a decent product and I feel like it's fairly priced and so on. So why not? And then I get, I learn a lot every day. Like I've learned how to create apps for phones and program them from this, from the ground up and create software running on servers that can push things, things to the phones, like uh, analyze data and so on. And I, yeah, I mean, whatever the future brings, I feel like I have a, I have a pretty 
decent toolbox now from my physics studies and my computer studies. So, and the salary is decent. So, and I can work from home most of the time, which is great. I actually still work in Copenhagen officially, but <laughs> uh, I mostly work on my computer from home. So that's really convenient for me. So yeah, that's my job situation at the moment. Oh shit! Looks like you have everything figured out. I know it sounds really great, doesn't it? Yeah. It doesn't feel as great because I'm always thinking, "Ugh, I should have been a, like a glaciologist, or <laughs> you know, you know, walk around the mountains collecting samples, or be a, I don't know, ski guide, or in Patagonia or something like that." But yeah, why do you? I don't know. I'm 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 really struggling with with being content. I think I. It's something that I'm trying to become better at. I feel like it's working a little bit, but I, I'm st I, I still find it hard. I, I guess I had this idea that I would, you know, be a successful researcher in fundamental physics somewhere, be a professor or something like that. But yeah, and maybe I, you know, maybe I will someday. <laughs> I'll go back. I kind of miss it. I, I miss academia sometimes. Like I miss, I miss just. Uh, Why do we do this? Just because we want to know things, right? We want to explore the universe. Now we just want to make money. And I, I'm not sure that's a... It, it, it makes a lot of things a lot easier, making money, for sure. But but it, I, I feel like there's something missing somewhere, somehow. <laughs> do you know what? Mm, no, I guess I guess some kind of purpose or... You know, why, I guess it comes back to the question of why, why am I here? What, 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 what should I spend this life on? Like I've given, I've been given this life. I'm not really worthy of living, right? Like I feel like I owe something to the universe for having been given this life. And it's, I, I don't really feel that the universe expects a fitness app in return. I feel like, I feel like probably expects something else, but I don't know what it is. And I don't know, maybe I'm too lazy to find out, but I, maybe I'm wrong. You know, I, I don't know. I, I probably, you know, I'll never know. And that, that's the strange thing. Like I have to figure it out. And, uh, I think there's, there's nothing to figure out, right? That that's the problem, I guess. This is, this is weird. because I mean, You're describing all of that, and I'm feeling jealous because, like, goddamn Like, first of all, you finished the PhD, which I can't manage to do. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and then you got a nice job and making money, and then now you get to walk around naked all the time. <laughs> Seems like you have it all. <laughs> I can teach you how to do that. <laughs> yeah, isn't that funny? Like that. That's when I think when I think of people, other people's lives, I think exactly like that. Like, do you think you'd be happy? having to be on a computer all day writing computer programs um honestly well that's not my thing but but that is your thing but no i wouldn't i wouldn't be happy doing anything all day i need to like i need i, I well i could do a week for example and then i'd be happy if i could spend a week just doing nothing but photography shit right taking pictures bringing it home developing printing just doing everything myself learning how to do all that stuff creating an elaborate system of pulleys to fix something <laughs> just uh i would be very happy with that right. but then the next week i would need to change like all right this is going to be writing week i need to write right. i need to 
and then then it would be music and that's what i do all the time like i try to i'm frustrated from every direction because i don't i barely work on my phd i have to first i thought the phd was the way to having like a better life because i'm really afraid of reproducing like the typical immigrant story you know like uh in my country, I used to do this, but here I opened the restaurant. <laughs> mm, yeah, you know. Yes, I don't want to fall into that. And France is a country that requires a lot of diplomas and like a lot of paperwork for any little thing you want to do. Right. So uh, you can't even be just like a tour guide. You need a certain certification to do that. So on the one hand, like the the PhD was just a way to get some sort of validation for my passion. So it's two separate things at the same time. Mm. Like I'm just trying to get money out of something that I love, but it's becoming impossible and it's too slow. So I had to find work somewhere else. So now I'm putting a lot of uh, my effort into work and then, uh, but I still, I want to write and I don't write and I want to work more on my photos and I don't put enough time on the website hmm. and uh and then i'm trying to learn music yeah. and there's always something something else that i want to learn because that's that's what i would be happy if somehow i could if i could get paid on some sort of like a tv show bet like what can pedro learn in two weeks <laughs> that would be my fucking ideal life you know like can he learn a danish in two weeks and then just fucking go crazy for two weeks and like blah, 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 just get all of that and yeah, then like yeah uh, I, I, that would be the ideal for me i can totally relate to that like i and i it's really like i get so impatient and i feel like i love learning new things and i'm, I'm a very fast learner but i really don't want to i really don't like doing the same thing over and over like day in day out and i i really don't enjoy that and it's it's kind of a weird situation because I always, I, I also really hate not being good at things. I really enjoy being really good at things, but the way to become really good at things apparently is spend a lot of time doing the same thing. So yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit of a paradox, but also it's a luxury problem because I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I am pretty good at learning new things. And I, I feel like it's probably also the reason I've been able to do a PhD with the degree of laziness that I have is because I've been, it's been fairly easy for me to read up on things and learn things fairly quickly. It, it's not it's not been easy in the sense that I've been some sometimes going out of my mind thinking this is the yeah just all the deadlines, all the exams, all the yeah the, as you say all the paperwork and stuff like that. I really not I really don't enjoy that. But but then once in a while you get to sit down and work on something and it's just it's just really fun and exciting and I. I just wish I could easily identify things like that. And it's, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it, it's funny the thing you mentioned with the, the typical immigrant story because I, I, I don't, I haven't moved to a separate, moved to a separate country. So I, I can't relate to that. Like I've, I'm Danish, I live in Denmark, everything's easy and I know the language and so on and so forth. But still, I, I, I can kind of, I haven't thought about it like that before, but I sometimes when I lie in bed at night, I think, what would I my life had been had I been in Copenhagen, right? I would, I would have this cool house with a view, 
you know, looking across the park and just going down and riding my bike together with all the other parents and I would have kids in the city and sun would be shining and all these ideas about living the life, you know, within the context of all the things that I'm used to. But now I'm here and I have... I have a harder time defining myself in this new this new environment somehow and it's just yeah it's just it's it's weird i don't know i don't know if that's some of the things you described but i just sort of associated that <laughs> from what you said well what i was what i meant with the restaurant was uh because I, I i know where you're going at but that's not uh, what i meant I yeah, mean, yeah. Uh, like i also feel like a, a very very lazy extremely lazy mm. God, so lazy <laughs> and uh, and very quick at learning things. Yeah, uh, like that. Lucky that they come easily, except for music, and that's the biggest frustration I have. Right. And what happens is that you end up trying, like I'll try something, pick it up real quick. Like the you go from zero to just past beginner really, really quick. Yeah. Maybe even inter- intermediate, and then the next step is no longer fun because then you have to then the discipline comes in. Yeah, exactly. And they're like, "All right, well, I guess now I'm gonna learn how to." What next? <laughs> yeah, like mime, like my mime classes. <laughs> that was the, oh right. Like just all the random things uh, that that you end up doing, like yeah. you know, pick up the drums. Do you do you also have a degree of perfectionism in what? You yes, do? and that's so fucking annoying because that's what that's what stops you. Because then exactly. it stops you because in your head you see like it needs to come out like this, and otherwise you can't do it because it's disgusting. You can't do it like yeah. that, and then I just end up getting angry when I see like thinking about photos. Like sometimes uh, I, I'm not, I I wouldn't say like I'm high level. But I see a lot of stuff that I go like that. I'm better than that, and I really don't want to sound like a like an ass. And that I say that like angry at myself because the reason why that stuff gets sold or gets put in a public place is because those people worked harder in terms of uh, promotion, selling themselves, or just the discipline to keep their website up and do stuff like that. Right, or maybe just the courage to just fucking do it. Yeah, or not have in my head. Is like not having a filter, right? Just not being so self-critical. Exactly. Whereas I like, I keep thinking like, well, I can't put, I can't finish the website because the photos I have need to be like, it's not the quality's not right. I need to rescan them, and I'm not gonna scan them right now because with this computer, it's not gonna be good quality. So I'm gonna have to wait, and you end up just not putting anything out like this podcast. Uh, and, and because like no this thing needs to be perfect that thing needs to be perfect otherwise i'm not going to put it out and meanwhile i'm just getting angry at other people's success yes it's like what the fuck like i could do so much better than that it's like well why the fuck don't you right right i i can really relate to that like i, I and i think really that i think that's really the thing is just having the courage or, or not having the filter as you say like i i have a friend actually also from uni he's a physicist and um He's teaching now in the gymnasium, but he he's he's making music just in his home. He has this very tiny apartment in Copenhagen, and he's just he he's really talented for sure. But he's also, I mean, it's hard to explain. He does have a filter somehow, or he has he has taste. Let me put it that way. He maybe doesn't have a lot of filters, but he definitely has taste. But it's just he's so productive. Like he just comes home. 
writes a song, just plays it, sings his lungs out, like this crazy rock punk music, and he just punches in some drums on his computer. You know, these all these uh, apps you can just put in samples of drums, and, and just, he uploads it, up, uploads it to Spotify basically the same evening. And I'm just like, and at this, it doesn't sound amazing like it doesn't sound like a studio recording or but it's like he gets but it's done it's done he gets it out there and it's fucking cool and then he asked me if i like his uh he's not really like he really enjoys it but he's also kind of lazy and he enjoys playing computer games and he was in a band with other people because they i guess they saw his talent and they they were i guess technically better musicians than him but he had the creativity so he wrote all the songs and came up with everything and they would just play along right kind of or not play along they would make their own thing obviously like but but they they ended up splitting up actually because they didn't feel like he was ambitious enough because they wanted to you know make it a career and he was just like ah, I just I just want to have fun with it <laughs> and and he didn't they wanted it to be perfect and he was just like I just want to fucking play like just let's go out and play and they so they split up and he asked me so and apparently then he got a gig somewhere <laughs> it's one of his previous uh, bandmates he said hey do you want to come play this this place and he was like yeah but it's just me and my computer and my guitar and it's not going to be so he just asked me hey andreas do you want to play bass and i just said well i i've never played bass what do you mean i want to play bass but I've, i guess i've talked to him about like you say i've I've been wanting to, you know, I always wanted to play an instrument and I've been playing a little bit so in school and so on. So I kind of I knew how to play the guitar a little bit and and so but I just picked it up and he learned me some really easy like bass lines and we went out and played this gig and it was just one of the most fun things I've done in a long time like it, I'm sure it sounded like shit but but it was just and it was maybe five people there listening to it it's kind of this open mic night thing right but just it's just amazing and he gives it you know he goes out there and he just puts himself on the spot and he just you know gives it everything he has like he's just screaming and flying around and he doesn't care how many people are there and he doesn't care what they think about well i, th I actually think he do cares but he's like in the moment he just shuts off all the filters and he just goes 100 percent. and it's just it's so inspiring and it's and it, it's I, I think it's helped me a little bit with the music thing not being so afraid we actually played a small concert here at the at the commune just for a few people just improvised and and it's something that that i'd never thought i would do because it would be i you know i'd be too afraid i would have to practice at least a thousand hours and i would get bored within the first 10 hours right and it would never have happened but with him he's just like yeah yeah just just Ah, oh, we just go and play it's no no big issue <laughs> so i can sort of put all you know i feel like i can put uh, and and uh, i mean it may sound a little bad but it's really not meant that way but i can kind of put some of the responsibility on him right because it's like it's his thing and i'm just the idiot with the bass so if it sounds like shit at least we're two people in the same boat right but it turned out people enjoyed it and we had a great time so yeah I really wish I could do that more just by myself. But so I guess my point is if if you can find someone that doesn't have a lot of those filters and are willing to just, you know, go ahead and do things that at least that helped me with, with the music thing for sure. I do and I'll <laughs> tell you about it, but I have to pee again. All right, I'm back. Welcome back. Sorry. So I feel like I'm doing most of the talking. Is that the intention or? There's no intention. 
I, you know, I want to, I want to hear how you're doing. Okay, so uh, that thing you were mentioning about finding somebody that help pushes you with that, mm-hmm. I actually made a, a very good friend recently, who that guy just, and this is not an example of somebody with no filter, because he's, because there's people that just put shit out. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. And uh, this is just you a, have to have taste as well, otherwise it's it's pointless. <laughs> no, this this guy is just very like he's just I don't know how he uh, finds the time. No, it's not the time, just the motivation. Uh, right. so he's pushing me he's like asking me for things and it's really weird because he uh, he's the only person that has read the entirety of my quote unquote novel which is like barely started you know wow I didn't know you had a novel hmm? well I've been I mean it's not a novel it's like uh, I think at the most 20 draft 20, yeah it's 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 20 pages at the most and I've, it's been <laughs> it's been years that I've been working cool. on that no, it's not cool, man. <laughs> no, that like, is cool. Like, how like, many people have a twenty-page draft? I don't think a lot of people have that. That's like one page every two months or something like that. Uh, well, you know, yeah. I I guess what's the the average age of someone putting out a book is like forty or fifty, right? So I think you have some. I I, I don't know. I've heard this statistic. You know, the average age when you're debuting a novel is like it's pretty old, I guess. All right. Well, anyway, I'll keep that. I'll keep that in mind. But don't give me any more excuses, because then I'll. <laughs> right. Sorry. Yeah. No. No. And, and he he's a uh, he's been really good at like just because I trust his taste and the fact that he tells me that he likes it really motivates me. And since he's always always working, he's like, yeah, I'm writing a novel and this. I wrote this play. I did that. I did that. I'm like, what the fuck? And. uh and it helps that he asks me for specific things. That's what I was going to say. Like this friend asks you to learn some songs. Mm. You can do that because yeah. there's a time limit and there's a clear objective. Mm, true. It's not like, yeah. uh, so it's not like a uh, become a bass player. And that's just huge. It's abstract. It's uh right. Yeah. I actually haven't thought about it like that because you're exactly right. Like what he did, he was just say, Hey, Andreas, can you learn these five songs? you have three months. And I was like, yeah, I can do that. That's easy. <laughs> yeah. Like I maybe not be able to learn them really great, but he, and if I had a difficulty with some piece, he would just say, Hey, you can just play this instead. It's easier. And no, you're right. Yeah. That's, that's definitely, uh, it's definitely true. Yeah. So I need to find somebody like that. And that pays me <laughs> for stuff like that. Yeah. That's what I need. Like, Hey, go uh, learn. Cause I, I'm trying to learn how to play the trumpet. Oh, which is, cool. which is hard. <laughs> And uh, yeah, and it's can, uh, it's really embarrassing too because it's so loud and uh, <laughs> and uh, wow, but it's such an amazing instrument if you actually learn how to play it right, and it's such a horrible thing if you're a neighbor. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> you have to go out. You have to live. You should move out in the countryside. Go find a commune. Just play. Yeah, go find a commune. Play your lungs out on the trumpet. But it's, if I had like a specific song to learn and I had like this deadline, that's not too big. It's not like six months because then I'll wait for the last two weeks. Right. You know, it has, to, it has to be like the sweet middle. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, I need to find a way to to work that into my life because yeah. I've, I've realized that like I'm good at learning things. Uh, other people appreciate that. You just have to find a way of... Otherwise, you're just going to be a person frustrated on all fronts 
because you didn't do this, you didn't do that, you didn't do any of it, and you have a shitty job. Right. And it's, instead, I have to find a way to to turn that into my thing. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. Yeah, for me, it's been, I think, moving into a place with so many people that I talk to every day, sort of, and people, you know, people have, people are just themselves because you're in their home when you live together in a commune. So people have their defenses down, they're not trying to impress anyone or, and and it's really been, yeah, it's, it's kind of been, I, I guess therapy for me a little bit because I always have these really high expectations about what I should accomplish and what I should become and so on. And it's really nice seeing people that you kind of look up to in certain ways, but then you also realize that they're just like really normal people. They're just like you. They have all these faults and flaws and they're not perfect. And it sounds very, it sounds very simple. It sounds like something you should have realized long time ago. <laughs> but for me, it's, it's definitely something that I, I still struggle with. Like my own self image of what I should have been compared to what I really am and I I mean I I know it's probably textbook uh, self-esteem blah blah but it, uh, still it's a thing right but but just talking to people every day that have these I, I feel like in a lot of ways they have a lot more problems than I do right I feel like okay I'm actually really privileged and I <laughs> I, I don't have a lot of things to worry about compared to to a lot of these people a, a lot of the, most other people in the world I I presume right that's been helpful for me. Yeah, you're Danish. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, I'm white, Danish, middle-aged, tech, tech job, PhD, long like I'm STEM textbook. Yeah, it's it's weird. What's it like living there? Is it are, are what's the sun like do you Oh. Are people miserable because of the sun thing? Like, uh, what's what's the? Uh... Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, they usually they say Denmark is the happiest place in the world, uh, the happiest country. I think I'm not sure if we're number one anymore, but we're usually pretty close. And I, I guess we we're pretty equal, and we're pretty we're pr we're pretty small country, so it's kind of uh, we don't have a lot of tensions culturally within the country and our history like we're pretty good friends with our neighbors but the darkness is definitely a thing like yeah the winter period is is rough for sure but but it's also i think we've adjusted pretty well you know we have this um, concept called hygge which is kind of uh, yeah i am kind of tired of hearing of it but but it's it's definitely a thing like for sure it's not some magical cure-all depression kind of thing but it's i guess it's just a description of danish culture in a way um i think some of it comes because of the because of the environment because we live so far north that for a long time during the year it's just dark outside and it's cold and you have to sit inside and you have to figure out something to keep you sane and what we figured out is just you know lighting candles and turning on the fireplace put on some music and just just chill out, just relax. And I don't know, it's hard to explain. It sounds really dumb when you say it like that, but it's kind of, yeah, you definitely have to figure out a way to cope with it. And I know I know friends friends from Australia, from the US that have moved here, and it's definitely, for a lot of people, the winter is the hardest time. 
and and the winter in Denmark is in Denmark it's not even the darkest if you go you know if you go to Norway or Finland it's even worse so it's definitely a thing did you feel the spring like is it is it as because to me this is uh you know in California you you never see that uh spring was three days ago I think the equinox oh yeah that's true it's like this beautiful thing like you see the light it's different there's light coming in the window you can't believe how it could be so specific on the calendar you're like wow it's such a exciting moment and you see it on everybody's faces everybody's enjoying it no it's true it's definitely uh, the hardships of winter is definitely worth it once you get to spring and every I, i was walking through the forest today and i you can see the flowers coming up you know all the the forest floor is turning green and soon there'll be white flowers everywhere and the trees they don't have leaves yet but i guess within a month they'll all be completely green like this just lush light green color and it's just the most amazing thing like i don't a lot of places in the world are in a lot of ways more beautiful than denmark because there's mountains and glaciers and rivers and but but just yeah the spring here is i and i guess the contrast as well it's really something and and, and it's something that i've really missed living in california where it's just i i don't even remember a cloudy day for the six months that i was there <laughs> it was just be sunny and blue skies all the time and it gets a bit yeah it's just the same you were only there for six months i think so yeah six months i could have sworn we had at least a year together <laughs> yeah hey we built a lot in a in six months we did a lot in six months that's true yeah it's been a while hey eh? it's been what five six years yeah Yeah, 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 it's crazy. Seven, even. Wait, I've yeah. I've been wanting to ask you this because I I always forgot the uh, the specifics of this story, and uh, I really want to have it. Mm-hmm. Did you or did you not once almost kill the Dalai Lama? <laughs> 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 That's how I remember it. Well, <laughs> well, let me start by saying it definitely wasn't on purpose. <laughs> I didn't intend to. I didn't even realize he was there. But yeah, uh, you know, in Copenhagen, we have a lot of bikes, like a ton of bikes. It's probably next to Amsterdam or something like that. We're the most, uh, I don't know how many, there's two or three bikes per per uh, person living in the city. It's just, it's crazy. There's bikes everywhere. And a lot of a lot of people from other countries, when they get to Copenhagen, they're not used to, you know, we have, lane specifically for bikes and in some areas of the city they're actually even wider than roads so it just look looks like a road basically you can't really tell unless you know that it's a bike lane um so we were driving we were riding our bikes my me and my i think my ex-girlfriend and we were riding past this uh, the fancy hotel with all the rock stars and the politicians they stay when they're in copenhagen uh It's called Dangleterre. I guess it's a French thing, and and these really fancy cars were parked next next to the bike lane. So what we have, we have the road, the road with cars, right? And then we have the bike lane, and then we had a the pedestrian, uh, where the pedestrians walk, and then you know, and uh, and the cars were coming up, and we were just riding past this Dangleterre hotel, and just as the just as we were riding up next to the cars. The doors just busted open, and a lot of these monks just 
fit like look like they fell out. Just, just they came out of nowhere. But you know, usually people are really careful when they open the doors because they know they know the bikes are coming. But here it seems like they didn't notice at all. So they just <laughs> spilled out right in front of us in the bike lane. And and I just had to make this evasive maneuver. And I it probably it it wasn't like I don't think they even noticed us. So I think it was more just us being like what what's going on who are these people <laughs> and uh we went around them and nothing happened it was fine and we looked back and it uh, turned out it was the dalai lama getting out of the car he was i guess staying at the hotel so uh, so yeah we we always if we hadn't we probably weren't gonna hit him we were probably gonna hit one of his uh his friends <laughs> yeah but that's a classic Copenhagen thing. Like the bikes are just everywhere, and they a lot of people ride like crazy. I, w- I wouldn't say we were crazy riders at that time. You definitely have to be careful, <laughs> even if you're the Dalai Lama, I guess. <laughs> I think. I mean, if if it had been a if it been a near miss somehow, like if I had seen his face, and he would have had to jump to the side or something like that but it's not it wasn't really as dramatic as that so i i guess like that's why i i don't really remember it and uh, it was only afterwards that we realized who who it was so and, and i i i think also it's something that you experience every day when you're riding your bike in in the city there's always people or dogs or cars or tourists or whatever walking right out in front of you on the bike lane so you have you you know you're kind of touching things all the time so it's not really unusual but i guess the most unusual thing was just uh the orange ropes and <laughs> and the fact that uh, he was actually a a pretty uh important person for me it was just you know every other day in copenhagen all right well here we are andreas at the end of the show <laughs> <laughs> Did we make it? <laughs> or have we started yet? I feel like we could keep talking, but I always I also feel like I'm getting tired. Like Yeah. Me too. And and a bit drunk. It's becoming more of a drunken conversation for me. <laughs> me too. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. But uh no, I, I appreciate you reaching out. This is an interesting way to keep in touch. I feel like it's sort of been a bit asymmetric because I've spoken most of the time and I, I, there's still things we haven't talked about, but we're beginning the process. I'm really happy with it, this. You know, I'm my girlfriend, is uh, she majored in literature. I remember you had told me you'd met a girl that studied literature, but I didn't want to ah, ask. I told you that. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want to be like, is this a literature student? And then like put you in trouble. So. It is. She <laughs> mastered in... Uh, Nordic mythology. Oh. Oh, I guess the real word is cosmology. No- Nordic cosmology. I have a question for her. All right. But, uh, and then, well, okay, well, we'll close it with that. But the question is so the names in Romance languages, names of the week, yeah, are like related to planets or gods. So, Lunes, the, the moon, Martes. The Roman gods, yeah. And then for the, for English or German, you have like, Sontag for Sunday, mm, but it's, yeah. it still matches. It's still Sunday, but then Thursday is Thor, right? Thursday, yeah. Right. So it's the day of Thor. But there's, but right. there's, there seems to be some sort of, even though it's a different cosmology, their powers mm-hmm. match up. Like, uh, mm. like Tuesday is the day of war, 
you know, like what, what's Tuesday? What do you mean? In, in Danish? Yeah. Or are they similar to German? In Danish, it's Tierste. And I think Tier is something. Does it have to do with war? I don't know. I have, I have to ask her. <laughs> ah, it's Tür. She says it's Tür. Does that have something to do with war? Yeah. That has what? something to do with war. All right. Well, then. Tier is the, is he the. Okay, but what? He was the what? Oh, yeah, okay. He was the bravest of all gods, Tia. He got his hand bit off by the Fenris wolf. All right. This this is, you know, you're opening not just a book, you're opening a library. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's think about that. What <laughs> this, we this conversation can go on for, yeah. for days, and it's super interesting, like, she knows why is it that tuesday is war day I don't know. <laughs> with different gods and different languages but you know so explain to me tuesday how is it a war day in other languages what other languages so in spanish is martes like marte which from the roman mythology was mars i think ah, uh, the god of war right that is interesting anyway We'll just leave that as a question for people. Go find the book and figure it out. And if you find it, please tell me. I will. I will. I'll ask her about that. Yeah, for sure. So thanks for joining me, Andreas, on this episode of Rich Chocolatey Goodness. Great. Goodbye. <laughs> thanks for having me. Rich Chocolatey Goodness is produced by Benjamin Morse and Pedro Escobar. Special thank you to our guest, Andreas Skielo, who can be found wherever spiritual leaders dare to jaywalk in the bike lane. Music by Marco Moreno, with a little help from Pedro. You can find extras, photos, and links from this episode on Instagram and Facebook at rich chocolatey goodness follow us to get all the rich chocolatey updates and subscribe on itunes or spotify for brand new goodness delivered to you every other sunday if you like what you heard please be sure to leave a comment and rating and welcome to this new year and the rest of season one of rich chocolatey goodness 